This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Fox Sexton here in for Glenn Beck. We're going to talk to John Schindler. Some spy chat here. His latest piece is Moscow Rules of Espionage Go Global. If you think it's KGB, it is. John Schindler is a columnist for The Observer, formerly of the NSA. A couple of former Intel guys going to have a chat. John, thank you for calling in. Hey, happy to be here as always, Buck. So what is the latest with the Russian intelligence services, John? Well, the Russians are playing nasty. Uh, this is really a Cold War 2.0, as I call it, stuff. Uh, it's been reported recently uh, that uh, U.S. diplomats in Moscow are getting roughed up, uh, far more than normal surveillance from Russian security services, breaking into apartments. Uh, U.S. diplomat was recently put in the hospital. This is going to be a very serious deal, and Obama's not responding. Now, what should the Obama administration do in response to this kind of stuff? What would be a, a good way forward, well, in your opinion? Well, what they have done is tell the Russian foreign ministry to cut it out, which does absolutely nothing. What they need to do is resort to Cold War tactics, uh, which would be uh, throwing known Russian spies in the U.S. out of the country. Uh, as we call it in the spy business, persona non grata, or PNG. The FBI, in most cases, has identified the majority of the Russian spies in the United States. We know who they are. We, we watch them as best we can. Uh, uh, my, my suggestion would be you put a U.S. diplomat in the hospital. Every time you do that, we will throw a, a dozen Russian spies out of the U.S. That's how the spy war goes. Now, how th- th- there's another aspect to your piece that, that I, I wanted to touch on, because the, the Russian intelligence services, you know, we, we tend to think, well, we're in a post-Cold War era and the KGB no longer exists, right? The KGB has been broken down into uh, a few successor agencies, sure. FSB, the, what are the Federalnaya Slozba Bezoplosnosti, right? There we go. Federal Security uh, Service. FSB, yep. SVR, and GRU, military side, SVR being the uh, foreign operations side of things, they're much more active than people seem to realize. Yeah, but look, uh, SVR and GRU, uh, the civilian and military foreign intelligence services in Russia, are as active now in terms of numbers of folks, numbers of operations in the West, as they ever were during the Cold War. And in a lot of Western countries, their activity is higher than it was at the height of the Cold War. And Americans really don't seem to realize this. Counterintelligence folks know this, but the Obama administration doesn't talk about this, and I think they need to. Then you add the fact that the FSB, which is by far the biggest of Russia's uh, intelligence agencies, uh, which is the former domestic side of the KGB, the really nasty people who ran, you know, ran the gulag, um, these people are now getting their hand with Putin's permission into foreign operations, which is really dangerous, because these guys are thugs, frankly. The SVR and GRU are professional spies. They're a bit rougher than we are, but they're in the same business that CIA, that NSA, that Western intelligence agencies are in. FSB is they, they just don't a, have the a, armies of lawyers walking fighting. around, I assume, telling them what they can and can't do. <laughs> I See, think Putin loves true. this stuff. I think Putin reads about this every morning in his read book on his desk and salivates about what the FSB is doing, frankly. I mean, you say that if you think it's the KGB, it is. What do you mean by that yeah. in your piece? 
what I mean by that is uh, this harkens back to the famous Moscow rules of the Cold War, when the reality was for U.S. and Western intelligence people in Russia doing operations in a very difficult environment because the KGB owned the turf. And the Moscow rules boil down to always be suspicious. If you think things are not a coincidence, they probably are not. If you're being watched, it's probably the KGB, and act accordingly. Always look over your shoulder. What the Russians are doing is not just bringing that back, but they're now exporting that beyond the borders of Russia into Europe itself, perhaps in the United States, and that would be a really alarming turn of events. Now, what, are, what, was, what was your take on the Russian government hackers? This was reported on by the Washington Post um, just, a, just a couple of weeks ago. Sure. Getting into the DNC servers, stealing all their stuff? What's going on there? Well, I mean, why shouldn't they? Well, what's the cost to Moscow of aggressive spy shenanigans, both on the street and in the virtual world online? What do we do about it? Nothing. I think it has to be assumed these reports are accurate. And the reality is probably even worse than what's been reported. Russian spy hackers who work indirectly, at least, for the Russian government, maybe directly, we don't know, have stolen the secrets of the DNC. They're deeply embedded in our political system. It's not just the U.S. government that's compromised, but the nature of our democratic political system. If I were Vladimir Putin, I'd do the same thing, because why not? Who is going to stop them? Yeah, well, what, would be the re- what would be the reaction they could expect there? It seems like it would be well, mi- minimal, minimal at best, and it gives them a pretty good insight into the U.S. Uh, US election. Think about what they know. There is no downside for Moscow in this. What they know isn't just the ostensible word of our politics, but how lobbying works, how K Street works, their interaction with Congress, with the Democratic National Committee. Uh, this is really dirty stuff. This is who's paying off whom. This is the, under, the nasty underside of American politics that most Americans don't like but don't see very often. We can assume the Kremlin knows more about it than the American public does. Where do you come down, John, on the, uh, what, what, what Brexit does in terms of Russia's view of, of Europe as really as an adversary, but also um, perhaps as, as, as a cow to be milked? I mean, as, as, a, as a target of opportunity, depending on uh, you know, how or whether we're talking about economically or, or politically and yeah. otherwise. What do you think about what's, what's happened over there now? How, do you think their view of things has changed? No, I don't. I mean, look, I, I think Putin's very happy about Brexit because anything that weakens the EU is perceived to be good for Moscow. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's their perception. Um, but let's be very clear. Brexit really isn't going to change much of anything in the short run. Certainly in our basic security arrangements, our American special relationship with Britain will be completely untouched by all this. And frankly, so will Britain's intelligence and security relationships with their European partners in Paris, Berlin, elsewhere. Brexit is political theater. It doesn't impact national security much at all. And any, and any attempt to say it does is really just political showboating. The British security services are very competent. They will keep doing what they're doing. There's a big Russian threat there. There's a big jihadist threat there. Brexit has nothing to do with any of this. So as of this morning, it's been reported uh, sw- switching our focus uh, to what happened in Turkey for a moment. We had Michael Weiss on before talking to him a bit about how yeah. we have a, a Dagestani, I believe a, a, an, an Uzbek, a handful of sort of yeah. former Soviet jihadis seem to be the ones that were deployed directly by ISIS for this attack. It looks like at least, I think 15 was the number that I saw arrested. Yeah. It might've even been a little higher than that. Um, what, what's, uh, what are your main takeaways at this point after this uh, mass casualty attack? Well, obviously it's horrible. The attack at uh, Istanbul Airport, uh, a mass casualty attack, uh, none of this should be surprising. The Turks have played footsie with ISIS for a long time, since almost the beginning. This is blowback on them. The fact that the attackers appear to be from the former Soviet Union, from the stands, even some Russian nationals, also should not be surprising. There's a massive 
massive recruitment by ISIS in the former Soviet Union, in the caucuses, in the stands. Um, and, of course, the reality is, back to the FSB, the FSB in Russia has actively encouraged and assisted jihadists from the former Soviet Union to go to the Middle East. This is not news. This is all over the place. Um, this is a very murky, ugly thing. It's probably just the beginning of blowback um, that ISIS has decided to take the war to Turkey indicates things are changing. I think it's also very interesting that things with Moscow are we're sort of looking up for Turkey. Erdogan gave a kind of an apology the other day for uh, shooting down the Russian uh, aircraft a few months ago and killing its pilot. But Ataturk Airport in Istanbul then blows up. Uh, for the Turks, this is the, the Turks are used to terrorism, but even for them, this is really, really dramatic, ugly stuff. Now, you, Michael mentioned this before. We talked about it a little bit, but I, I wanted you to expand on it because I think it is will be very interesting for everybody listening. The FSB or Russian Intel Services directing jihadis to go to the yeah. Middle East. How, how does this work, Absolutely. and what's the purpose? Um, first of all, uh, the Russian intelligence, mainly the FSB, but not exclusively, has deeply penetrated jihadist groups in Chechnya and Dagestan and southern Russia going back 20 years. This is not new. Um, second of all, it's very much in their interest that these, that these crazy guys go far away. They may get killed. They won't go home. Also, it enables them to watch them. And they've actually set up conduits. There's very good evidence that the FSB is actually directly paying some jihadists to go, to go to the Middle East, to go to Syria, go to Iraq. And it's a certain thing, knowing how the Russian intelligence services work, they have their own agents embedded in there. They want to know what's going on. They're watching the jihadists from the inside. This is classic Russian tradecraft. This is how they operate, which, of course, leads very quickly to uncomfortable questions about who's really pulling the strings here. And I think the answer is we don't know yet. We simply don't know. When, whenever a, 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 a jihadist attack lines up with Moscow's foreign policy interests, as is the case here with Turkey, which has made itself a big enemy of Vladimir Putin over the last year, you have to ask questions about who's really pulling the strings. So you think that there is at least the theoretical possibility that someone inside the Russian intelligence service may have known something about what was going to happen here? Sure. Possibly. I don't think you could exclude that at all at this point. Look, uh, the Russian intelligence services are deeply embedded with the Kurds, have been for years, not new. Uh, and the Kurds, of course, are waging a longstanding 30-year war against the Turkish state. Um, we know that Russian agents have penetrated deeply into ISIS. I don't think you can rule anything out at this point. We simply don't know enough. Now, for those for those listening as well, I, we're talking about a lot of acronyms, Russian intelligence, what they're doing over there. Obviously, there's a major terrorist attack at an international airport that a, a lot of a lot of a lot of Americans, a lot of Europeans, a lot of people all over the world constantly use. And of course, uh, many, many Turks killed, many others killed. Yep. So people are paying close attention to this. But I know there's also a sense of, OK, so we see this. We knew it was ISIS right away. Now it seems to be confirmed. What can we do? Yeah. And when someone asks you that question, what can we do? What other than and you know, I know that I don't have to tell you this, John, but just for for those out there who like to say, well, Hillary Clinton is going to work with our allies. I mean, that's <laughs> that's sort of like saying if we're all nice to each other, we'll have we'll have world peace. I mean, what what beyond that can right. we do? Right. This quickly falls into cliches about better international security cooperation, which is meaningless. What we really have to do, as as if you're talking about protecting America, get rid of the TSA, start getting serious about stopping terrorism in and around airports. This is a soft target. Look, after 9-11, we've made it hard for the terrorists to get on, on airplanes with weapons. So instead, they're attacking, attacking soft targets at the airport. This is not the end. This is the beginning. If they can attack there, they will attack elsewhere. And more of this is coming. Our, our European partners have to take this much more seriously. 
So does the United States. We're very naive if we think this can't happen in America, too. It certainly can. Either get rid of TSA or completely remake it to stop harassing innocent Americans and stop the security theater and start getting serious about stopping terrorists. That is not what the TSA is doing right now. One last one for you, John, before we have to go into a break. Uh, a caller earlier on the show asked, what, uh, what if anything, Snowden has done that has damaged, or, or rather just in general, has Snowden damaged the U.S. Uh, intelligence community's ability to counteract terrorism because of the revelations that he's put out there. What, what say you to that? Oh, I, I think it's an established fact. We've had senior NSA and other, other intelligence officials say it as a fact that more than 100 terrorist groups we've, or, or terrorist groups or entities we've lost at least some communications intercept on. Uh, you'd be very naive to think this degree of compromise hasn't been noticed by terrorists. They read the Internet, too. They read the same stuff that Snowden's putting out there. Say nothing of the huge damage done by Snowden, the most important defector in the history of Western intelligence, who went to Moscow with over a million classified U.S. government documents, some of them very highly classified. If you think that doesn't matter, you don't know anything about espionage. John Schindler is the national security columnist for The Observer. You can follow him on Twitter, at 20Committee. John, always a pleasure to have you, sir. Thanks for your time. Great pleasure, always. Keep it real, Buck. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com.